Hey, this is Heather from the media team at Word Alive. You're listening to our Sermon of the Week. This week is all about preparing for Passover. I hope you enjoy this message. opportunity, a divine moment, and it comes annually, but also we believe there is something even bigger than that happening right now in the earth. I talked to you some about last week, just these opportunities, it seems, that God is really moving supernaturally. I made you aware last week that in sports and athletics and politics, there's a Things that are happening that's never happened before. Uh, it's, it's worth watching. If you didn't get to see it, I talked to you about the about the Cubs who hadn't won a series in 108 years, and the Cavaliers who come behind first time ever in the NBA to, for it to happen that way and win. To the Patriots who come behind from 21 to zero, never happened before in history. Happened to. Uh, Trump winning, uh, no plausible path uh, to to victory, and he wins an election to the. Uh, uh, Britain, Brit- the British friends of ours, England, coming out of the EU, just it was it was supposed not to happen, but it happened. And on and on and on, there's something happening in the earth. Jesus said, "You know how to tell when it's going, the weather's going to change, but you don't understand spiritual seasons." He wants you to wake up and be alert. We're in a moment. Look at me, really, really. Just for, listen. We're in a moment. And see, what we don't realize is our lives are made of moments. I know I was going along in life, chronos time, if you will, and, and sin and destruction was just taking me somewhere. And it was taking me somewhere I didn't want to go. And it was going to keep me longer than I wanted to stay. And it was going to cost me more than I wanted to pay. But in a moment, somebody say a moment, in a moment, God intervened and snatched me out of that and put me on a different path. It's a moment. There was a moment where I stepped into another realm and got filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues and realized there's a whole different realm to live in this, but it is a moment. Some of our marriages were saved in a moment. Some of us lost some demons in a moment. We just got up in a place of worship and we were all bound up by fear and insecurity and all of a sudden the presence of God came and in a moment things changed and I got set free. And our lives are made of these moments But what's important is that you prepare for the moment. You can't make the moment happen. But you can prepare and ready yourself for the moment. That's really what I'm trying to communicate to you today. And so when when somebody comes along telling you, hey, a moment's here, then you should wake up and be alert and say, I don't want to miss this moment. So touch three or four more people and say, don't miss this moment. Tell them, don't miss this moment. I heard this week as I was doing some studying that the ships, when they would go into a harbor in the olden days, of course, they didn't have engines, they had sails, and they would get ready to go into a harbor, and they had to wait for the tide to rise to get them into the harbor because the harbors were shallow, so they'd have to wait for the tide to rise to get them safely into the harbor, so they would sit out and wait for a moment. And when they would begin to understand that the moment was coming, the tide there's a word, a Latin word, opportu. And they would begin to shout opportu, opportu, because there was about a hundred different things on these sailing boats that had to be accomplished to get ready for the tide. Yes. And that word opportu is where we get the word opportunity. Yes. And it's interesting, isn't it, that they would be sitting there and they, some had been gone for a month, even year out at sea, and now they can see 
their homes. But they can't get there. Unless the tide rises and takes them. And so what am I trying to say to you? You can see your promise. You can read in the Word and, and, and grab hold of your promise. But we know that these promises aren't natural. They're supernatural. There's no way to get there unless it's supernaturally given to us. But what happens is these moments, our, our human hearts merge with the sovereignty of God. And our prepared hearts meet the sovereignty of God in a moment. And when that happens, it's just like a ship who has got the sails ready. So when the tide rises, they make it to their destination. You're not the power, but you can set the sail. And all I'm trying to help you do today is get your sail set. Letting you know we're in a moment and the Spirit is about to move us like He's never moved us before in this Passover season. God spoke to me and said it's a turnaround season. And between now and the time we get through Passover to Pentecost, we will have witnessed and experienced some powerful turnarounds in our life. So now touch three or four more people and say, this is your turnaround season. Tell them, this is your turnaround season. Touch somebody else and say, I'm going to touch you a few more times before you get out of here today, too. Tell them. <laughs> what I got to really make sure that, that, you, that you believe it. I know you. <laughs> Don't take me into testimony time now. That's why we should testify in the old church. I love the Lord. We'd let her rip. Because I, I know in my life I've experienced this. Most everybody I know serving Jesus has had a decade of delay. If almost everybody I know serving the Lord has had about a decade of delay. You've waited, you've sown, you've believed, you've asked God, you've, you've done the right things, you've prayed the prayers, you've sowed the seeds, you've done the right things, but it's almost like it's been a decade of delay. And the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. And so what we got to be careful of as they sing it today is Psalm 27 rung up in me as they were singing, I would have fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And I want to encourage somebody, delay is not denial. Just because the promise has been delayed doesn't mean it's, it's been denied. I'm here to prophesy to you, those delays and that delayed season has come to an end. And now is your moment to enter in. And I need you to believe it. I need you to get your expectations up. And I want, hopefully can help you here in just a few moments. I'm going to take us to Exodus 23 for just a few short moments today. As God instructs us how to keep Passover, which we're headed there this coming Sunday, next week. It actually starts today. It's a week-long process, actually. Passover starts today, moves us all the way to next Sunday, day being Palm Sunday. And this will show us how to prepare and make ready for it. Three times a year it says, you shall keep a feast to me in the year. You shall keep the feast of unleavened bread. You shall eat unleavened, you shall eat unleavened bread for seven days as I commanded you at the time appointed in the month of Abib. That's right now. Now here's what I want you to catch. For in it you came out of Egypt. None of you shall appear before me empty-handed. Coming out of Egypt, that's Passover. Somebody say Passover. And the feast of harvest, the first fruits of your labors, which you've sown in the field. Somebody say that's Pentecost. 
and the feast of ingathering at the end of the year when you have gathered the fruit of your labors from the field. That's tabernacle. Somebody say tabernacle. tabernacle. Watch this. This is how this works. It says Passover, you come when you don't come with empty hands. Why? God wants you to have seed. Passover says it's the feast we celebrate that we're sowing seed. But it says by the time we get to Pentecost, we've got harvest because now our seed is actually in the ground. And then by the time our seed gets out of our hand in the ground by tabernacles, we're actually bringing a harvest back with us. What is that? That's preparing your heart. That's what we call first fruits giving. And why is it so important for first fruits giving? This isn't Kent's idea. This is God's idea. God said three times a year, come and don't come empty-handed, but bring me your first and your best. Why? When you bring your first and your best, he blesses the rest. And it moves you into a place with God in faith. And so it's just, if you can just think with me rationally, most of us live our spiritual life like a farmer who never sows seed. What if you just went out to a field and just said, as a farmer, and this is the way you farmed every year. Father, I thank you for this field. Lord, and I thank you for a harvest. And a lot of people I know pray like that. They're just wishing something's going to happen. But they don't have any great expectation because they ain't got any seed in the ground. So why first fruits? Here's what first fruits does to me. Well, the promises of the Bible are accurate. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, honor me with the first fruits of your increase. Your barns shall be filled with plenty, your presses with new wine. That's the promise of God. And so what's exciting to me when you say, why first fruits? First fruits actually brings me an expectation because I got seed in the ground. And it's not the amount or the size, it's the faith aspect of what God's doing. Bev and I believe Passover is the time to sow precious seed. Precious seed is different from regular seed. Precious seed is found in Psalm 126 where it says something along these lines. It says, he that goes forth weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again, bringing the harvest with him. What's precious seed? Have you ever given something that made you cry? Something so significant in your life that you've prayed about it, you've asked God about it, God spoke to you about it. Sometimes it's the amount that makes me cry. Sometimes it's the sacrifice. Sometimes it's just the connection I made with God over it. And when I got in the presence of God, I just cried because I just so felt the presence of God because he was speaking to me about what to do, which to me is more valuable than any amount of money when you get in a relationship when God's talking to you. And what happens is this expectation comes up in your heart knowing you got precious seed because it says, doubtless, I'll bring the harvest back with me. Everybody here needs a harvest. I said, everybody here needs a harvest. And God says, if we'll honor him with first fruits, not only does expectation arise, it disciplines our heart to seek the kingdom first. It reminds us that God is the source of all blessings. It releases us into revelation that directs us from the wave offering, Passover, all the way to the gathering, which is tabernacles. It assures us of confidence that our Father will always provide. And most powerfully, it initiates a new expectation of a visitation and harvest that will come in the days ahead. And so next week, we're coming around Passover, and we're going to worship God radically as we've done this morning. 
We're going to give God a first fruits offering, and we're going to release declarations of faith saying, God, we trust you and believe you. This Passover is going to be a turnaround season. Now, why do we do Passover instead of Easter? Well, because we believe Passover is Easter, that Easter was something that man made. Passover is something God made. Passover is when, when our forefathers came out of Egypt. Think about it. What kind of turnaround was that? In slavery, 450 years, and God sent a man with a stick to go against the most powerful military might in the earth and deliver a whole nation in one night. And it says when they came out, not one sick among them, not one feeble, not one lacked, and they came out with the abundance of Egypt, and they came out in one night. So we celebrate that. Next week, we celebrate that, not just because it happened one time, because we believe every time we celebrate it and rehearse it, the same power that was there then becomes available for us right now and moves us into a new season. What's this season hold for us? I found in this portion of Scripture seven promises, seven anointings, if you will, around the Passover season that we can lay hold of for God. Anybody ready to make this journey really quick? All right. It says, Behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way and bring you to the place that I prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice. Do not provoke him, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. But if you indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. For my angel will go before you and bring you to the Amorites and Hittites and Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. A lot of ites in there, isn't there? Termites. <laughs> parasites. You shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do according to their works, but you shall utterly overthrow them and completely break down their sacred pillars. So shall you serve the Lord your God. He'll bless your blood and water and take sickness away from the midst of you. No one will suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. I will send my fear before you. I will cause confusion among all the people who come against you, and I'll make all your enemies to turn their backs to you. I'll send hornets before you. I'll drive out your enemies before you. I'll do it little by little so that you can possess the land. I'll set your boundaries from the Red Sea to Philistia, from the desert to the river. I'll, that's your inheritance. I'll deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand and drive them out from before you. Don't make a covenant with them or their gods that they dwell in that land lest you, lest you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. Yeah. Let me show you what's in this. This is when God said every year for all time, for all generations, I want you to celebrate this, and here's what you expect when you celebrate it. It's not only the Old Testament. Paul in the New Testament in 1 Corinthians 5, 8 says, Jesus is our Passover lamb, therefore let us keep the feasts. Paul said that. Let us keep the feasts. It's not an Old Testament Jewish thing. It's a God thing. And so when we keep this feast next week, we should have great expectations. Number one, for what? Angels on assignment. God said every time you celebrate this, angels will be given an assignment in your life. God promised an angel to guide the people in the land to prepare, that the, he was preparing them for. Now, I, I know some of you may be questioning angels. Well, I didn't believe in them either until I saw one. Come on. The early church were so familiar with angels that when Peter got delivered out of prison and knocked on their door, they, they said, is it Peter? They said, must be his angel. They were so accustomed to seeing angels, they, had, they were more ready to believe that it was Peter's angel than Peter had actually got out of prison. So angelic help is part of God's provision for our life. 
But so many people get religious and they put that off and they put them on their little keychains and stuff and make little angels like little trinkets. And that ain't these angels. These angels I'm talking about are bad. I'm, just, I'm talking about the first angel, I, first angel I saw, I was battling all kind of fear. And I woke up about 4 o'clock in the morning, rolled over, and our bedroom was living in Florida. And there was an angel standing beside my bed so big, his belt was in my roof. You say, what did he say? Nothing. Didn't have to. Scared to beat Jesus out of me when I rolled over and saw that big angel. But I tell you what, my fear started dissipating because I realized if I got something like that standing with me, what in the world am I afraid of? Says he'll give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. When we celebrate Passover, angels get active. When we get up here throwing first fruits and worshiping Jesus and celebrating the blood of Jesus, angels start getting active. Angels, they get, there's a hordes of them, and all of a sudden they, what's happening in cold water? And, they, and God starts giving them assignments. You go with that one. You go with this one. You go with that one. You go, bring that breakthrough. Bring that supply. Fight that sickness. Deliver that destruction. And God starts putting angels on assignment. That's what happens at Passover. I saw one one time on assignment. Bev and I just started our ministry and we're living totally by faith. I mean, just totally by faith. And all of a sudden, I was praying one day and saw something move on the patio. I said, Lord, what's that? He said, Angel of Supply. I said, I've never seen or heard anything like that. God said, Release him to go bring the supply. What I had to lose, just me and the angel, right? I said, I released this angel. Two weeks later, supernatural supply showed up at our doorstep. They're real. And when we celebrate Passover, angels get involved. Two, he said, I'll be an adversary to your adversaries. In other words, God himself will fight your battles for you. Some of us are fighting battles that are too big for us. Some of us are fighting things that we can't fight on our own. God says something like this. He said, the battle, be still and know I am God. The battle's not yours. The battle belongs to me. He said, I'll be an adversary to your adversary. I don't know about you, but I'd hate to have God as an adversary. But God said, I will be an adversary to your adversaries. In other words, if you're messing with me, you're messing with God. And I'm not talking about natural adversaries. I'm talking about cancer. I'm talking about depression. I'm talking about poverty. I'm talking about destruction. I'm talking about demonic entities that are having assignment as well out in your life. But if they come after you, my Bible says no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Come on, somebody. It says God will be an adversary to your adversaries. Touch three people say, God's going to fight your battles for you. Tell them, God's going to fight your battles. I got a word for some, somebody's in here fighting addiction. You think addiction's stronger than God? Come on, somebody. Yeah, I said, you think your addiction, it ain't your job to get free of your addiction. Our God will be an adversary to your adversary. I got a word for somebody when heroin bumps into God, God wins. Come on now. Three, assets. Everything necessary for your life, God will bless. Food, clothing, shelter. Everything needed for you and your family to live. He said he'll put a blessing on your bread and on your water. That's provision. And God will put a blessing on it. Not just provide it, 
put a blessing on it. Why is that so important? God can multiply your paycheck. God can multiply what you have. God can protect your stuff. It's one thing to have stuff. It's another thing to have a blessing on your stuff. Because what God blesses, nobody else can curse. What are you talking about? I'm talking about that appliance devil. I'm talking about that stuff that starts breaking every time you start getting ahead. I'm talking about that, that thing that comes against you in business when you're about to make a breakthrough. God said, I'll be an adversary to your adversary, and I'll bless your stuff, and I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. Somebody shout, I'm about to get up under a blessing. Just say, I'm about to get up under a blessing. My Bible says, I'll be blessed going in, and I'll be blessed going out. Get up under a blessing. Just walking in a blessing. Everywhere you go, you get a blessing. And see, I see some of you looking at me like you ain't got a clue what I'm talking about. You say, Kent, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I, I'm telling you. I know what you've been through. That's why I prophesied earlier. Quit telling your old story because God wants to do a new thing. I know the old story. So many of us are limited by our old story. Don't you think Israel was in Egypt? They'd been slaves for 450 years. Don't you think God had to shake them and wake them up that night he took them out? They were, they were it's our family tree. Most of us, well, my family never was blessed. My family lived broke. My family lived, and you get all your identity into that. Some of us, we are set our expectations so low because we're locked in a religious mindset. You better go ahead and make up your mind right now. God wants to bless you. No, no, I said God wants to bless you. You better shake off every lie of the devil that says God doesn't want you blessed. He said, I'll bless you and make you a blessing. You'll be the head, not the tail, above, not beneath. See, some of you ain't happy about a blessing because you ain't never got up under one. But if you ever get up under one, you'll shout every time you hear about a blessing. I've had moments in my life where I got up under a blessing. You couldn't stop me. Everywhere I turned, it was good. Everything I touched prospered. Everybody I met was right on time because I got up under a blessing. So, and I still get looks from you because you're not familiar with that life. But I'm here to tell you that old story's got to go away. This year, next time, this time next year, you're going to understand what it's like. You'll be talking about, man, I remember Passover last year. I was striving and broke and beaten down. But, man, I got a hold of God's cycle, and I'm up under a blessing. My goal is to have every person in here blessed. Blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed when we come and when we go. We pull down every stronghold. Sickness and poverty must flee, for the devil is defeated. We are blessed. Oh, I'm going to sing it, Passover. We're blessed in the city, we're blessed in the field. We're blessed when we come and when we go. We cast down every stronghold, but the poverty must flee. 
for the devil is defeated. We are blessed. Late in the midnight hour, God's going to turn it around. He's going to work in your favor. Yeah! Late in the midnight hour, God's going to turn it around and around and around and around and around and around. And around. Woo! Somebody shout, Bless! Sit down, let me catch my breath. Gee, I felt that blessing though, didn't you? Give me a drink, Bill, for Thursday. Thank you very much. Thank you. Ah. Quickly, affliction will be removed. He said, not only will you not be sick, but there won't be any sickness around you. He said, I'll bless all your blood and water and take all sickness from your midst. Listen, I know again, there's people sitting here saying, well, I'm, yeah, but I've been sick. I know, that's your old story. That's what I'm trying to tell you. That ain't the new story. That's the old story. The same God that delivers from sin and the same God that provides is the same God that heals. And the devil is a lie for anybody he's told that God puts sickness on people. That's not true. God didn't put sickness on people. If, If you really believe that, then when you get sick, why do you go to the doctor? Why are you fighting God? But as soon as you get sick, if God don't heal you, what do you do? Go to the doctor. Why? You don't want to be sick. Right? Don't make sense, does it? Thank God for doctors. Thank God for the medical community. God raised them up. Why? God hates sickness. That's why God gave us doctors and and medicine and all that stuff. You'll get it. You got seven days. Five, agelessness. God promised babies to barren women and to fulfill the number of their days. With long life, he will satisfy us and renew our youth like the eagles. See, I don't believe in growing old. No, sir. I'm ordained by Lester Sumrall, who lived to be 88, who flew overseas every month at 88 years old. I asked him, what would you eat? He said, anything I get my hands on. As his, he said, as my days are, so shall my strength be. God didn't design you to grow old and fade away. He said you should shine brighter and brighter and brighter even until the perfect day. You may have a little hitch in your giddy up, but you still need to be giddy up. And you know what I'm talking about? Agelessness, youth renewed. See, I believe there's power in the blood of Jesus that can actually transform the blood on the inside of you and cause life and vitality to just thrive up inside of you at Passover. I believe when we have communion next week that the blood of Jesus and the bread of life will become a reality on the inside of us and God will renew our youth. Abundance, six. God promised Israel a land flowing. Somebody say flowing. Not just barely getting by. 
a land flowing with milk and honey. Seven, quickly, this is a big one for me, an alpha year. What is that? A new beginning. He is the alpha and the omega. He finishes some seasons and he starts some other seasons. This, the Bible says, is the beginning of beginnings, this season we're in. God's about to end some stories and God's about to rewrite some stories. God's about to shut some doors and God's about to open some doors. God's about to call some old things to be passed away and God's about to call some new things to come alive. God, God never takes away the old without establishing the new and the new is always better than the old. This is a season of new beginnings, of turnaround, of moving in a new direction, of changing and altering the course of your destiny, moving in a whole different direction. And I'm not just talking about physically or financially, or emotionally, I'm talking, about, I'm talking about with God. Some of you are going to turn around and start following God. I'm not talking about loving him. I'm talking about following him. God's allowed some of you a decade of misery just to let you realize how miserable this world is. And the only hope we have is God. And we're going to turn and start following God. Some of us are going to make a, a radical turn this season. Some of us are going to turn radically toward God and be in God like we've never been in God before. After this, I got such an expectation for families. There is an I feel an anointing for families like I have never felt before. I feel like the Lord gave me a promise in Malachi 4. It says he's going to turn the hearts of the children back to the hearts of the fathers and remove the curse off the earth. I'm prophesying to you, the devil is trying to put a curse on the earth by separating children from their fathers. And, and that's why we have a fatherless generation out there. And I believe the Holy Spirit showing me in this season, the breaches between children and parents. God is going to come by the Holy Spirit in this season and going to do some supernatural things. God's going to break some generational curses off of it. The Lord gave me this scripture that two day, yesterday walking around the park, I was walking and God said, I was praying about a situation and I was like, what caused this? Whose generational curse is it? What's, what's working in this? God said, neither his mother nor his father sinned, but that the glory of God might be revealed. And I felt like the Lord said, you got some people in your family, they're in a situation right now and God's just set them up because he's about to show them his glory in this situation and turn it around. God's about to restore relationships, put families back together, break off generational curses, and move the family forward because the family is the most powerful entity in the earth. It's a God-ordained. He said, have dominion, be fruitful. I prophesy to every family under the sound of my voice that this is your season to be fruitful and have dominion and multiply and walk in your kingdom. God-given authority in the earth realm. Your children and your children's children shall serve the Lord. I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their seed begging bread. Hallelujah. And I believe begging bread's not just natural bread, but spiritual food. My children's children will never lack the revelation about God. What a blessing to get up under. Woo! Don't make me sing again. Sit down. Man, I feel the anointing on that. I'm, 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 I'm trying to invite every family that I know to say, please come to church. 
Don't come empty-handed. Get your family around you. Offer up an offering to God and declare, my family's going to get under the blessing of God. I don't have any excuse anymore. I can see the clock. Time to go. I'll leave you with this. Place in California, I believe it's California, called Death Valley National Park. I believe God speaks in many ways. And I really felt this was a sign from God, as many others have been. Life in Death Valley National Park, it says, may be on the verge of an explosion. Rangers at the California Nevada Park say a rare, perfect storm of conditions could soon lead to an event known as a super bloom the first in over a decade. A super bloom, which is not a technical term, but simply an informal name for a really magnificent display of flowers, requires certain weather conditions. Heat from the sun. Well-spaced precipitation during the winter and spring and an absence of wind. These are the conditions that get ready for a super bloom. When I read that, I thought, isn't that interesting? How much heat have you felt this last decade? And it said, it's just got to be a little bit of precipitation. In other words, just enough. And I got to thinking, how many friends of mine and in my own life and other people in this church, this past decade has been a fiery trial. Heat. And it's been just enough. Or even not enough at times. And barely any wind. And we thought this was God not being for us. But in actuality, he was creating a perfect environment. So the seeds that we've sown could find their place to flourish. Because it goes on to say something pretty incredible. It says, if you get the chance to see a bloom in Death Valley, especially super bloom, take the opportunity because it could be a once in a lifetime opportunity. Park Ranger Alan Van Vankenberg says in a video posted in the park's YouTube channel last week, there are so many seeds that are out there waiting to grow. I had no idea that there was so much out there, he says in a clip. These areas are normally just rock, soil, barren, and even shrubs. But in this season of super bloom, they're filled with life. Let me show you a picture of a normal year at Death Valley, what it looks like. That's a nor it's an actual picture of Death Valley with one flower growing. Nothing else but dirt and soil and rocky stuff, death and one flower. But they're saying all that stuff you can't see, there's seed in it. <laughs> and that seed just laying there and it has to wait for the perfect storm of heat the right amount of water and the limited amount of wind, and when it does, something supernatural happens. And then this takes place. 
and that's called a super bloom. I quoted you this scripture earlier. Let me see if I can put it up. I prophesied it to you. Do we have that message translation of Isaiah? This is what God says. I'm prophesying to you now. I'm not teaching or preaching. I'm prophesying to you. This is what God said. Won't you go ahead and stand up for this one? Is that all right? Do you mind? I didn't want somebody thinking about chicken while I'm prophesying. So I want you to go ahead and know you up on your feet. No, we're about to we're about to go for chicken. I want believe me. I want it just as bad as you do. So here we go. But I'm prophesying to you. This is what God says. This is what God's saying right now. This is what God says. The God who builds a road right through the ocean. God. What's that talking about? Passover. This is what God says. Which God are you talking about, Kent? The God who can build a road through an ocean. The God who calls our ancestors, over three million of them, to split the Red Sea and walk through on dry ground and then drown their enemies behind them. That's the God I'm talking to you about. I'm talking about the God who builds a road right through the ocean and who carves a path through pounding waves. I'm talking about the God who summons horses and chariots and armies. They lie down and can't get up. They're snuffed out like a candle. Here's what he says to you. Forget about what's happened. That's a word for somebody. Forget about what's happened. That's got to get into somebody's spirit. Forget about what's happened. I know it's been painful. I know it hurts. I've been there with you. I understand the season that you've been in. I understand the disappointment and pain. But God is saying, forget about what's happened and don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert and rivers in the badlands. Woo, that's a promise. That's a prophecy from God for this season we're in right now. So I'm challenging you. Starting today, from today to next Sunday. It says one of the things they did before they got to the celebration of Passover day they ate no leavened bread. Leaven speaks of sin and stuff in our lives. So they actually, they'll clean out their houses and get all leaven out. It's a picture of getting cleaned up and getting ready for a new season. Spring cleaning, if you will. So I felt like the Lord just kind of dropped this in my spirit to give you a challenge. I'm going to take the challenge. Between now and next Sunday, Passover, don't eat any bread. Let's kill the yeast beast. And every time you think about bread, think about this verse, Matthew 4, 4. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And take one of these seven promises and one a day, speak them out loud over your family and over what's going on in your life. 
That's why we'd love for you to get this app so that we can push things to you. If you download it, it's W-A-I-O. It's a Word Live app. Starting today, we'll start sending you once a day a reminder to say, here's what we're praying, believing for, declaring over our lives. And every day for the next seven days, we're going to speak God's Word into our situation and move ourselves as we press toward Passover. And we believe Passover is going to be a divine, supernatural season of turnarounds. And these seven promises and seven blessings are going to overtake our lives and our families in this season. And we're going to move with God in a new way like we've never moved before in Jesus' name. Amen. Can somebody just give the Lord a big hand of praise this morning? Do you have something to say? Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for this moment. We thank you for this moment that you're bringing us to of Passover. Thank you, God, that you've loved us eternally and lavishly by giving us divine moments to intervene in our lives and move us forward in you. Lord, I pray for every person, every family during this Passover season, God, that you would begin to speak by your spirit. You'd begin to move. You'd begin to talk to us. You'd begin to lead us. Even as we prepare for our, with our offerings and our hearts and begin to look in our own lives of introspection to remove sin and darkness and those things out of our lives to get a fresh start this Passover season, God, speak to us and lead us and guide us by your spirit. Lord, let us not miss this opportunity, but let us be well prepared for our hearts to merge with your spirit this Passover and allow you to move us in a supernatural way. So, Father, I just declare divine turnarounds. This is our time, and it is going to work. And so, Lord, I thank you that these next seven days will be a preparation season. And when we culminate next Sunday, your spirit will meet us and you will move us in a way you've never moved us before as we celebrate this covenanted time together. We thank you for it and praise you for it in advance. In Jesus' name, and everybody in agreement said, amen. I love you. Be blessed. We're pressing toward Passover. See you next Sunday. I hope you enjoyed this message. For more content like this, please visit wordalive.tv or download the new Wayo app. If you're ready for your next step, you can jump into Freedom Trek anytime. Have a great week.